So we're continuing on. Last week we started a new series called Heroes, and we talked about the ultimate hero, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice for us on Easter Sunday. And if you weren't here last week, it was an absolute blast. We had uh, a fun time last week, uh, so you could download the podcast if you missed it. But it was, it was a really fun time, and uh, it was just a blast to, to, to worship with everybody and talk about Jesus. And we're going to continue with that, and, and we're going to continue to talk about heroes. And last week, we kind of defined uh, some of the characteristics of a hero as uh, a characteristic is someone that shows up um, in the middle of crisis or whatever. The heroes show up. They don't, they don't back down, and, and a hero is also someone that that invites you in and someone that inspires you to move and and these different qualities about a hero and we're just going to continue in that same vein and we're going to talk about courage we're going to talk about showing up the courage that it takes to 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 be a hero and and what that means and some of the different things that that go along with courage some of the misconceptions and some of the things that it takes um it reminds me of this story I heard of this, this older man. He was, he was probably late 60s, early 70s, and I actually heard the story, I think, from a pastor in Dallas, uh, Chuck Swindoll, I think, actually, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be. Anyway, he, he tells the story of, of this pastor that, uh, not this pastor, this, this older man that he's on a cruise ship, and um, it's, it's, it's in the evening, and there's this great party, there's a banquet going on, and people are just having a great time, people are partying, and, and the celebration is for him, and it's in honor of him, and because what had happened is earlier that day, a younger lady had fell, fallen off the side of the boat, and this old man went and jumped, jumped in after her and saved her life. So there's this, this huge party on the boat of just honoring this guy for his, his act of heroism, and and so everybody's having a great time, and, and, and finally the moment comes where they ask him if he'd just say something to everybody. So everybody quiets down, and he gets up, and he stands before everybody, and he says the, pretty much the, sh- the shortest speech of all times. He says, guys, I just want to know one thing. Who pushed me? And then everybody starts laughing, and he just sits down, and that's it. And uh, that, So here's... Uh, Here's Joshua. He's getting ready to enter into a new stage of his life. He's going through the transition where he's getting ready to take on a leadership role. And he, he's walking into a spot where he's, he, he's, he's on the hills of Moses. Now Moses was, uh, if we were back there, Moses was like the man back in those days. There, there's millions of people that this guy is leading and, and he brought the people out of, out, of, out of slavery and out of bondage. And, and Moses is the guy that he, he, he took his staff and he parted the seas. He's the guy that went in and, and talked to Pharaoh and all these different plagues came about. He's the guy that went up onto the mountain and talked to God and came down glowing. He's the guy that, that was a friend of God. I mean, so in, in, in those days, Moses was just like, he was the man, and, and he's getting ready to die. And Joshua's getting ready to take his place. So I could just imagine, you know, the fear of, of just the responsibility of just like, okay, now I'm getting ready to step into this area where, wow, look at, look at everything this guy has done. And, and the, thir- the first thing about courage is, is, is it's not the absence of fear. You know, we, we think to be courageous that all fear has to be gone, and we just have to be able to do it and be strong, but that's, that's not it at all. I think courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is having fear and showing up anyway. 
Courage is, yeah, I may be afraid to death of this, this new role, this new dream, this new job, this new season in my life, but I'm going to show up anyway because that's, that's real courage. Real courage is, is, is stepping in, into those fears and, and not letting those fears overcome you. So here's, here's Joshua. And, and another thing we've got to realize about him is he's being encouraged, first of all, by Moses saying, just be strong and courageous. Then he's being encouraged by God, and God says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. And then he's being encouraged by the people saying, we're going to follow you, only be strong and courageous. I mean, if this guy isn't experiencing a little bit of deja vu here, I don't know who, I mean, he's got three different people telling him the exact same message. I mean, how many times in your life, you know, something's going on or whatever, and all of a sudden you kind of, oh, this person, oh, they just told me that too. And then this person told me that too, and it's like, well, maybe God's trying to tell me something. Maybe he's trying to say to Joshua, maybe Joshua's like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to get this message of being strong and being courageous. And, but then we can kind of look at Joshua and think, well, maybe he was kind of a fearful guy, and that's why they were saying that to him. But I don't think that's the case at all. I think, if anything, it's the complete opposite. Because if we look at the life of Joshua, even, be, even before he makes the transition into leadership, he is, he is the guy that's he's led different uh, attacks and armies. He was a leader of soldiers. And then, and then it tells him of he was a spy. He was one of the original spies that went out to, to, to look at the promised land. And he was the one that came back with the good report saying, guys, we could do this. So he was, he was a spy in his day. Out of millions of people, he was chosen to be one to spy out the land. He was like the James Bond of the day. I mean, James Bond was 007. He was like the 001. He was like the original spy. I mean, so this guy was the man. He was the one that would go into enemy territory. He was leading troops, and, and he was doing courageous things already. So it's not that he was a fearful man. I mean, here, here's a man that's, that's, that's walking with Moses, that's seeing the hand of God move, and yet he's being encouraged, and he's saying, the, the Lord's saying to him, Moses is saying to him, and the people are saying to him, be strong and courageous. Because no matter what it may look like on the outside. We may look like we have it all together. We may look like we're the man and we're 007 and, man, there's no way that you could phase that guy or there's no way that he could get down and out or whatever. But still, we all know what happens on the inside. And here, here, here is Joshua getting ready to enter into a, a, a new time in his life. He's stepping into a new role. But here's the thing. He's been waiting 40 years for this. I mean, he was originally originally the spy that said we could do it but yet he found himself wandering because everybody else was afraid of the negative reports that were told of there's giants in the land so he found himself for 40 years just waiting to inherit the promise and but the thing is that 40 years it wasn't wasted time see the whole time he was right underneath Moses and he was learning from him you know Moses would go and he would meet with God and Joshua would be right there with him Joshua was, was learning about God through Moses and through Moses' leadership. And he was, he was right there on his coattail. Every time that said that Moses would go into the tent, Joshua would be one that would go in there after. So he was developing a relationship with God. He had every opportunity to get bitter and to get upset and to get angry. He said, listen, guys, I've been telling you all this for years and years and years. This is what we could have done. This is the dream. Why are you all so afraid so here's a guy that's, if anything, he's furthest from a man of fear. But yet he's encouraged, be strong, be of, be of good courage. So he's, he's stepping into a new role. 
that he's been waiting for a long, long time. And here's the other thing is, is he has really big shoes to fill. And everybody else is now kind of looking on him, looking at him like, okay, Moses, I mean, okay, Joshua, let's kind of, let's see what you got. And, and here's, a, here, here's a, a kind of a point I'd like to bring out. It's so easy when we step into a new season of our lives, when we're doing a new thing maybe in our jobs or, or with our families, you know, having children, whatever it is, it's so easy to get caught up in comparing ourselves to others. It's so easy to, to look at the others, look at the ones that came before us and say, man, ah, I wish I could do it like they did it. Or I wish I could be like this guy. Or man, it's so much better. And, and we could get caught up in, 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 in the role that we're in that we, we beat ourselves up because, because, man, Moses came down from the mountain and glowing. And I'm just a regular guy, you know. But, you know, I learned from him. And, and yeah, Moses parted a, a sea, and, and I just kind of parted a river because he did. He, and, and I know it wasn't as big as the sea, and it didn't look like that, and I'm kind of wondering, but he didn't let that get to him. And I think that's part of what, what, what courage is. Courage is standing up and doing what God tells you to do. And it may not look like what, the, the, what God tells someone else to do. It may not look as big and as fancy and as shiny, but it's what God's put in your heart. It's the, the courage that he's put in your heart for today, for your family, for your life. And so it's not the absence of fear, but it's, it, it's showing up anyway. Courage is getting married. If anybody in here is married, it doesn't matter if you've been married one year or 30 years, the day you said, I do, you weren't ready to be married. No one is ever ready to be married. I mean, it is the absolutely scariest thing on the planet. And whenever you stand up, do you take this person? Do you take, I do, I do. You do, but you don't really know what you're getting into. And it is a crazy ride, whether you've been married a year or 30 years. And it's, it, it's just, it's incredible. And it takes courage to, to make that commitment. And it's a daily thing. And I got to tell you, I'm probably one of the most courageous guys in here. Let me tell you why. Because I had to go to Devin's dad and ask him if I could marry her. If y'all don't know her dad, her dad is Chuck Norris. I'm not lying. He looks just like Chuck Norris. He like beat me up in one single punch. And the thing is, he doesn't talk either. So it's like, you know, we go out to eat and I'm talking to him like, hey, how's it going? Good. Let's have a burger. Hey, I'd like to marry your daughter. And he just stares at me. I'm like, so what you think about that? Well, why? Um, uh, and I'm just tongue-tied, like, because I love her. Well, why do you think you love her? My man just tore into me. But it was good. And I knew that it was worth it to face Chuck Norris, to marry this girl. And, and, and it was so scary. And, and even today, you know, just being married and, and, and learning what it is, it, I, I kind of just see God saying, be strong and of good courage, you know, because it, it, it's a crazy journey. But still we wake up and, and we go through the struggles and we go through hard times. We go through our disagreements. But we decided, hey, you know, we made a commitment and we're going to work it out no matter what. And the same thing with our relationships with God. And, and the, the same thing with, with, 
with, with here with the church this morning. You know, you know last week we kind of had the most people that we've ever had on a Sunday, and it was awesome. And, and we are kind of got about half the amount of people. And, and it's, it's, it could be easy for me as a pastor this morning to kind of get down and say, man, well, where, where's everybody at, you know? But you know what? It doesn't matter. Courage is, courage is saying, you know, Lord, it's about you. And it's about what you have for us. And it's about what you're doing in the, my life and in the lives of people in, the, in this area this morning and, and in my family and in and the dreams that you have inside this room this morning that you could take from, from just this group of people and ignite and, and, and change lives and change families. And I could look out this morning and I could see so many changed lives even in here right now. So many lives that, that, that definitely could have gone in a different direction. But you had the courage to say, you know what, Lord, there's some, some questions I have, some things I don't understand, and yeah, I'm walking into a different season, even just, just showing up for church, or just showing up with your family, just being married, it's, it takes courage. So I applaud you guys this morning. I applaud you for, for the courage to show up, the courage to, to say, you know what, God, I'm on this journey with you because it's not the absence of fear, but it's looking fear in the eyes and saying, you know what, I'm not going to let this fear overcome me, but I'm going to overcome it with love. And I'm going to see something that not only I can see, but what God says and what God sees in me. So be strong and be able to courage. The next thing, and you've probably heard me say this quite a few many times, but and if you come back, you're going to hear it again. And it's one of my favorite quotes is, <clears throat> you know, there's some things in life. There's things in our life that are so absolutely wonderful, so glorious to pursue, that it's even considered wonderful and glorious to fail trying. There are things that are so worthy of the pursuit that it's even glorious to fail in the trying, to have a good marriage. Even if I fail at it from now, now, now and then, it's, it's considered glorious to pursue and to try. And, and, and I don't have kids yet, but you guys that, that have kids or you guys that have these, these different dreams in your heart, you know what? It's even glorious to fail in the trying, in the, in the doing it. You know, I, I could just see God in heaven saying, that's my boy. That's my girl. They gave it a shot. They went for it. They laid it all on the line. And that's another thing about it is, is courage is, is risky. Courage is going against insurmountable odds and saying, you know what? I may make it. I may not. But I'm here anyway, and I show up. So I want to read from Second uh, Samuel, an illustration of this. This is the story of David's mighty men. And this is Second Samuel, 23rd chapter. And I'm going to start with verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph, the Teclamite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Son of Dodo. That's, I wouldn't want to be named that guy. But anyway, he was one of three mighty men who with David, when they defied the Philistine, gathered for battle, and, and the men of Israel had retreated, he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary, 
and had stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. And then after him was Shimon. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from Israel, from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. So here's kind of a little portion of Scripture where it talks about these three mighty men. And the first one is this guy, uh, Joseph, that it says he killed 800, 800 guys in, um, let me read it here. He had killed 800 men at one time. And this is incredible because if you think about it, 800 guys, I thought, okay, that is a lot of people to be killing. So this guy woke up in the morning. He's like, all right, today's the day of war. We're going to go out and I'm going to kill some people. And he ends up killing 800 people. If you do the math, let's say he put in an eight-hour work day. He, he ends up killing 1.6 guys every minute. So for every minute, for eight hours, he kills 1.6 guys. I mean, that's like every 40 seconds or something like that. He's fighting, kills one. Next. For eight straight hours. Or let's say, you know, let's say he put in a 12-hour workday. That's 67 people per hour. That's over a person a minute. So just imagine 800 people in one day. I mean, this guy was a bad man. I mean, and he's killing people with a sword and like slingshots and stuff. It wasn't like today's stuff where it's like a bomb or anything like that. My man is hand-to-hand combat, 800 people. He faced insurmountable odds, and he stood his ground when everybody else retreated. Then the next one we have is this guy, Eleazar. It says that he fought so long that his hand was stuck to the sword. And I find this interesting because, you know, when we pursue different things in our life, we have a tendency to want things to become easy. Have you ever seen that Staples commercial where it's like that little button and they hit the button and it's like, ooh, that was easy. And we kind of get that mindset of like everything that we do and everything that we pursue has to take about a certain amount of ease. And that's just not the case with God. God doesn't really like things to be easy, to tell you the truth. The thing is, it's easy for him. But for us, it's, it's a journey. And it says that this guy fought so long that his hand was stuck to the sword. He had been in battle for so long, and he, he put so much energy that, I mean, th- th- he was weary, and, and, and his hand was probably all bloodied up, and the blood probably had gotten around the sword, and it had dried to it. And, and, and just to get his hand off of the battle probably, probably hurt tremendously because his hand was stuck, and he had given everything he had to the battle. And, and then what gets me is, you know, he, 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 he's given his all to this battle. And it says that everybody else retreated only to return to plunder afterwards. So he's given his all. He's given his life. He's fought with every ounce that he has. And then everybody else that retreated comes to get the goods that he has fought so hard for. And how often in our own lives is that that is going to be the very case. You're going to fight for things. You're going to, be, you're going to do certain things with, with the dreams that you have, with your jobs, only to have the ones that didn't pay the price to come and partake in the goods that you fought so hard for. But here's the thing, that's part of life. And whether you realize it or not, we have all done the exact same thing. Because Jesus went to the cross, and he paid the ultimate price. And his hand wasn't stuck to a sword, 
but it was stuck to a cross. And we left him time and time again. And we return only to plunder and to the goods that he has for us. We've left him to return only to say, Lord, now I want to walk into everything that you fought so hard for, to everything that you've provided for me. Let me partake in those goods. So it's a part of life. It's something that we need to, 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 to look within ourselves in those times where we could get bitter and say, well, where were you at? Where were you with me on this journey? How come you weren't right there fighting beside me? You left me. And where were you? But it's part of it. It's part of the journey. And, and, and I remember hearing um, one of my, my favorite speakers is, is T.D. Jakes, and he's a pastor of a, a church in Dallas. And I just love this guy, and he tells these great stories. And he always tells of how people would go up to him and say, uh, pa- young pastors would go up to him and say, you know, I want you to pray for me, Pastor Jakes, that I would kind of have the ministry that you would have. And I would, I would be able to speak to the amount of people you have and do the things that you do and, and have your kind of ministry. And, and, and T.D. Jakes just says, man, he got to a point where he just got so sick of it. And he says, okay, you want that? So this young man goes up, says the very same thing to him. T.D. Jakes proceeds to, to lay his hands on him. He begins to pray, and he says, Lord, I just pray that you would send this, this young man through five years of hell, that you would lock him in the closet, and that he would be on his face crying every night. That way he doesn't know how he's going to feed his kids, and he doesn't have any money in the bank, and all he has is a can of beans, and he doesn't, he doesn't know if anybody's going to be with him or not. And people are talking bad about him. Lord, I pray that you would do that to him. And the young, the young man stopped and said, whoa, that's not what I wanted. And T.D. Jake says, well, if you want what I want, but you don't want to pay the price that I paid. And so, how, so often, how true is that? People, we, we want what we want, but man, such a high price tag. And we live in a society where we can just charge things. We could charge things on the MasterCard and Visa, and we could have the instant gratification. And, but the thing is, we have to pay for it. We have to be willing to pay for the, the price. We have to be willing to go the mile to, to have the things that, that we want. Everything has a price on it. And uh, I'll leave that for another day. I was about to hit a rabbit trail. I'm going right back in. But we have to be willing to pay the price. And the last guy here was this guy, Shimon. And, and the same thing, people have retreated and they've left him, and now they've left him in this field of lentils. So here's the thing, this guy's position in a field of lentils, it says it's, he is positioned in the middle of the field, and he's left. All, all, all of his others, his friends, his warriors have left him, and he's there and he, and he fought that day. But what got me about this particular passage is where he was. The field of lentils would be kind of the equivalent to a bean field today. So he wasn't fighting in a place of prestige. He wasn't protecting the royal palace. He wasn't at uh, a thing that, you know, if the people take the, the, the bean field, it's okay. It's just a bean field. But the thing is, it was his bean field. It was his job. It was what was given to him. And he said, I am not going to let you guys take this field. This is what's been given to me to protect. And no matter whether it's big in your eyes or small in your eyes, it doesn't matter. It's what God has given me. And we have to use what God has given us. 
We have to use the talents that God has given us, and we are wasting our time if we spend all of our time wondering, man, I wish I had the talents that this guy had, or the talents that this lady had, or man, I mean, for me for so long, I look at Alan, and I'm like, man, I wish I could sing like that, but it's not going to happen, and I'm wasting my time if I just desire, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's cool, and, and maybe one day God might touch my voice, whenever, but for the most part, it's not going to happen, and I have to use the gifts that God has given me. And whether it's just a bean field, or whether it's speaking in front of millions, or whether it's being in the checkout line at Walmart, or whether my job is mowing yards or waiting tables, or whether my job's speaking to you guys, it doesn't matter. It's what God has given me. It's what God has given you. And are you going to retreat from it because maybe your thing isn't as big as somebody else's? Maybe it's just a bean field. Maybe it's just a field of lentils. But are you going to position yourself in such a place that this is what God's given me and nobody else is going to take it? I'm going to fight. And, and, and it, it's just an amazing story of, of these three guys and the three mighty men that faced insurmountable odds with, with, with no promise of victory. They were just, Lord, this is what you've given me. And they paid the price and, and they they stood their ground. They showed up, and they showed courage. So courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is, courage is not the easy button. It's, it's risky. It's facing insurmountable odds. And, and, and the last thing about courage, and, and what I, I kind of think is key, and it's something that, that really gets overlooked a lot, is to truly be courageous, at least in my mind, and you guys may disagree with that, but truly be a man or a woman of courage takes humility. Because how often have we seen people that are very talented or, 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 or you know, kill the 800 people or do these things, but they're just, just so prideful or whatever that it no longer are they really a hero. No longer are they able to be in that hero category because there's, there's no humility and there's no... There's no sense of awe about the person. It doesn't inspire anymore to be like this person because they lack the humility. So for me, to truly be courageous is to have a good dose of humility. And in this scripture here in 2 Samuel, we're, we're given a list of David's mighty men. And it goes on. And if, if you look down, if you look in, in the last verse, in verse 39, it's given this whole list of guys. And the very last one it says, and Uriah, the Hittite. And Uriah. So here's the guy who got the very last billing in, in, in the whole list of mighty warriors. These are the mighty guys. And this is the guy, he's very last on the list. He's in there. But if you remember, Uriah is the guy that was married to Bathsheba. Uriah was the guy that showed up and David sent a letter by him to the commander in the army to put him on the front line in a position where he could, he could be killed. And ultimately, he was killed. He was a man that, in essence, delivered his own death letter. Because David was trying to cover up his sin. And he was trying to, to, to get Uriah to come in and, and to sleep with Bathsheba. That way, he wouldn't be caught. And Uriah was such a man that said, how can I do such a thing? My men and these people that I'm with are out in battle. And so he didn't, he didn't go and enjoy the luxury of, 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 of sleeping with his wife and, and drinking and having that. But it says he spent the night 
on the doorstep. And then he went back into battle and he delivered his own death letter. And he gets, he gets billing with David's mighty men. And see, here's the thing is, you know, sometimes we'll be, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of overwhelmed by the humility it took of this guy. The humility of, you know, I'm going to do what God's told me to do. How could, how could I, how could I do the, these, these terrible things? Or how could I even partake in, 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 in the joys of today when my men are out in the field? And, and he just shows so, such humility that even in the midst of all of everything, he goes to the front line. And, and he must have known, at some point he must have known, man, why are they putting me in this position? And then it says the troops withdrew from him. So all of a sudden he's surrounded and he's about to be killed and he doesn't make it out. And he gets killed. But yet, he still finds his name in the list of David's mighty men. And the same thing with us. You know, there's certain things that God's going to ask of us. And we may be put in a position where all of a sudden we're on our own. And the sword is raised. And it doesn't stop. And we find ourselves dead. We find ourselves maybe of failed in a certain thing, or we find ourselves in, in, in a spot where seemingly God didn't come through for us. So it takes humility. And, and for me, the, the, the kind of definition or, or what I think about humility, humility is, is having power but not using it. Humility is turning the other cheek. Humility is Jesus on the cross when he says, you know, I could have called down all these angels and wiped all of you guys out like that, but he didn't do it. Humility is, is being Jesus, and, and yeah, sure, people may say something to you, and, and you may be right, or they, they may smack you, but you turn the other cheek. True humility is having the power, but not using it, and and so often in our society where we live, where we like to take the power and we like to, to use it to our own advantage and gloat in it and say, hey, this is, this is me, this is my position, this is my, my place of, of power. And it, it takes away from the hero aspect. It takes away from how Jesus is. It takes away from Jesus having all of the power and all of the world and yet still coming and walking among us and being born in a manger, and being beaten by the very ones that he created. You know, and it, it just kind of amazes me that he gave life to the man that threw the whip on his back. I mean, every breath that that man was taking and, and throwing that whip against Jesus' back, Jesus was supplying the air to fill his lungs, to give him the strength to throw that whip. And at any moment, he could have put a stop to it. But he was courageous, and he faced the cross. And, and even, even in the garden, we find Jesus praying, what if there's another way? But yet, Jesus showed up, and he endured the cross for us, and he had all the power in the world. And, 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 and even in the midst of his trial, when he was put on trial, and all these different things were, were said against him, he didn't even respond. He didn't even defend himself though he was right. How often do we want to defend ourselves? How often do we want to, 
to wield our own power and show that, that we're right. How often do we just turn the other cheek? If, uh, if you're a boxing fan, I'm kind of a boxing fan, there's a, there's a certain move in boxing that um, I can't remember. I want to say it was like Muhammad Ali, I think, that started it. But it's called the rope-a-dope. And what it is when you're fighting your opponent, uh, you get to the point where you, you just let that opponent exhaust himself on you, where you just look like you're down and out, like, man, uh, I, uh, I'm going to get beat up. Uh, there was actually a box match where George Foreman did this, and George Foreman was just, you know, he was just beating up on this guy, and everybody thought that George Foreman had had, had it won. I mean, he was beating the mess out of him. And then all of a sudden, it's just like a light clicked on, and my man just took out Foreman and just... Where, where Foreman was, all of his energy was spent, he did what was called a rope-a-dope. He made him think that he was weak, where he really was strong. And see, that's the thing about that, the, the church in your life. You know, we may, we may, we may look weak. To the, out, the outside world, the church may look like it's down and out. It may look like we have no say in politics. It may look like we're just kind of... Uh, a fading community. It may look like your life. It may look like things aren't going as well as you would have them to be. It may look like God's, God's getting ready to be defeated. Even on the cross, you know, we made mention of this last week. It looked like he was defeated. You know, the, the, I could just see Satan rejoicing when, when Jesus died on that cross, thinking, man, you know, we got him. But what did Jesus do? Jesus roped a dope. And he said, you know what? I got something for you. So three days later, he rose from the grave. He, he absolutely destroyed death. He, he came back and he shed his blood for us in such a way. And he showed cor- courage in such a way that now, now we can enter in. And we can partake in Jesus and we can live a courageous life. We could be the ones that, you know, though everything on the outside may look like it's all against us. There's something inside of each one of us that God has placed. There's, there's a fingerprint of God on your life that's waiting to be exposed, that the world is waiting to see. And it may not look as, as glamorous. It may just be like that lentil field. But the world needs it. The world needs you to stand up and be courageous. The world needs you to live the life that you were meant to live. And, and back, to, back to Joshua, you know, I could just, I could just see Joshua entering the, this new stage of his life. And I could see him getting ready to go in. And, and this is kind of a side note, but the first thing after, after Moses tells him to be strong and courageous, then he goes, he goes on to say, this is, this, is the book of, this is the book of the law in which I'm giving you, and I want you to study it and meditate on it. And, and they didn't have the whole Bible back then. You know, Moses was just, just writing it. So they just had the first five books. So I could just see Moses saying, you know, this is what I got. This is the, the particular part of the Bible. This is the word that I'm giving you, the, the first five Bibles and uh, the first five books of the Bible. And he's like, study it. Be strong and courageous, but you're going to need to study this because this is what it's going to take to get you through. And what's cool about it is right after God encourages him, God says the exact same thing as Moses did. He, God says to him, this is my word, and I want you to take it, and I want you to study on it day and night. So there's something about the word of God that gives us the courage to stand up. Something about the word of God that gives us the, the energy and the strength to endure 
the times that are coming. And, and what I think is cool about it is um, the, if you're kind of like a scholarly person, the first five books of the Bible is, is called the Pentateuch. And then uh, in Hebrew, they call it the Torah. And a lot of times we refer to the Torah as the book of the law. But that's really a bad interpretation because the word Torah in the Hebrew doesn't mean law. It means teaching. So a, a better interpretation, though it is the book of the law, it is also a book of teaching. It's the teachings of Jesus. It's the teachings of Jesus saying, and Moses saying, here's, here's the teaching that I'm giving to you. And yes, there's laws inside of it. And yes, it's a, it's, it's a book full of different laws, but it's more than just a law. It's a teaching because what a teaching does is a teaching tells us of a better way. It teaches us something that is a better way to live. And, and when we have this Bible and we read about Jesus and we read about things and we read about the laws, see, if we look at it as just a law, well, what will happen is it'll become a list of do's and don'ts. It'll become a list of, well, I could do this and not do that. And speed limit's 55, so don't go over 55. And it's just different laws. And if we, I, well, I don't steal, I don't kill, don't commit adultery, I don't do these things. And it, just, it becomes a list of do's and don'ts. But when we realize that it's more than just the law, but it's a teaching. So in, the, in, in essence, it's I don't steal just because it's the law. I don't steal because it's a better way of life. Because Jesus is teaching me a better way to live. Jesus is teaching me to have the courage to overcome these things. I don't steal and I don't commit adultery and I don't do those things just because it's simply the law, but because Jesus came that I may have life and life more abundantly and there's a better way. And Moses is saying, Joshua, here's, here's the word of God. Here, here's, here's the life. And, and I'm telling you to be strong and courageous, but and part of that, you're going to be tempted to go this way and that way, but you're going to have to read this. You're going to have to read this, this book of the law, this book of teaching. And then God comes and says the exact same thing. And then his people come, and the, the people don't, don't tell him that too, but the people have the response of be strong and courageous. So you, you can sit here this morning, and, and there, there, there could be the, the thought of, yeah, I want to be strong, and I want to be courageous but part of that, let me, let me just go ahead and give you the warning now. You're going you're gonna to face different things. You're going to find yourself in, in positions like David's mighty men where you are, have unsurmountable odds stacked against you. There's going to be things in your job, in the workplace, in your family where everything is 800 to 1. It's going to be the lottery in your life and where you just don't see how you're going to make it. And let me encourage you that... This is a book that will help you through, that it's alive, and, and, and your relationship with God and, and getting to know Jesus will help you in those times where fear wants to overtake courage, where you don't really have the strength to show up. And though everybody, just like Joshua, may look at you as a hero, you need, you need that word of encouragement that says, be strong and courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. There's something about it. And, and, and the more I, I learn about God and the more I, I, I develop my relationship with Him and, and, and I have this communion with Him and conversation with God, the more I realize that, wow, He really is the answer. The answer to all of my problems and questions and the answers aren't always 
the answers I like. But still, I could find peace in God, and I could find courage, and I could find strength in God and in knowing Him. And I believe the same thing is true for your life. So what does courage look like to you? Are you one of courage? Are you going to be one to stand in the midst of insurmountable odds and fight and use the talent and the gift that God's given you? Are you going to be one that's going to be a sense of humility of whether or not you make it or not? You're just going to do what God told you to do. Are you going to show up? Are you going to be courageous? It's a question that we could ask ourselves every day. Because every day we'll face different problems and different things. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the courage that you showed us. I thank, thank you that the church is such an awesome and powerful force, Lord God, that you're, you're using and that you choose to use us, Lord God, and that we would just remain faithful to you, Lord, in the midst of everything, in the midst of insurmountable odds. We would look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord God, and we would find strength and courage in you, and that we would turn to to you when it's so easy to turn to other things. It's so easy to want to turn to our friends. It's so easy to want to turn to our family and turn to our mentors and turn to different people in our life. And it's all good and well, Lord God, but for most of all and first of all, we would turn to you and find your peace and your comfort in life situations. In Jesus' name.